Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Many people think that issues relating to religious liberty are a recent phenomenon, but any glance back into history, even short term, reveals a very different picture. That includes the relatively brief history of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Here to talk about that denomination's past is Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. Lincoln, what do we need to know? Well, we need to know a lot, but uh, we only have 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So when we're talking about religious liberty in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, I think it's necessary to insert a name that the church sometimes omits intending to protect themselves and people from the idea that the church is based on Ellen White, who was uh, early regarded as a prophet Mm -hmm. and was a a leading pioneer of the church. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it would be misleading to set her up to be the equivalent of, say, Joseph Smith for the Mormons uh, and Ellen White for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Mm -hmm. Our our beliefs are are biblically based. The group that uh, followed William Miller and then reformed uh, Seventh-day Adventists was much larger than Ellen White, and it would have happened, I think, anyway without her. But given that she received these visions that were recognized as as divinely uh, inspired and, 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 uh, you know, that was a unique guiding force. So within Adventism... I think it's worth mentioning her, and when we're talking about religious liberty, you almost can't escape some mention of Ellen White and why Seventh-day Adventists have this, uh, I think, fairly unique uh, emphasis on religious liberty, not just religious liberty per se, but religious liberty for all people. Uh, many people believe in religious liberty. In fact, I've never heard anybody against it. And, and, and many groups with good conscience and good intentions promote it, but usually it's fairly narrowly articulated. And, and, of course, in the modern era, it falls down pretty quickly when you're talking about religions that you find uncomfortable or even antagonistic. Not too many people are still arguing that those groups, too, must have religious freedom. Now, Lincoln, when we talk about our church's history, we're talking back into the, you know, the mid-1800s, uh, 1830, 40, 50, 60. What were some of the issues that Ellen White and those of that era were facing when it came to religious liberty? That they... They, it was a different time. It was it was a different uh, structure, different culture. What did she say about it, and why did she say it? It was a different culture, and, and in some ways, the United States was not even far removed from its own efforts to distinguish itself from from the, the, the motherland, That's if you true, like. Yes. Americans never use that term. Australia does, because <laughs> they have a softer view of England. But you know, England was the motherland of the of the mostly British colonies here. Mm-hmm. And it was not immaterial that when the War of Independence erupted, there was a religious sensibility here because it was a very Protestant viewpoint in the New World because, among other things, of the Puritan exodus and settlements here. And so they were always suspicious of the high church of the Church of England. They were deeply antithetical or you know, opposed to Roman Catholicism and popery. So when King George acted high-handedly toward them, they were inclined to sort of see it as the Antichrist against a pure church and the Christian saints in this new republic, and that has its own danger. Yes. But early Adventists, I think, in some ways shared that view. 
and as they attempted to develop their theology and their insights about the nearness of the coming of Jesus, they came under severe persecution from the Protestant churches. Mm-hmm. And uh, so from the, the get-go, they were very sensitive to uh, following your conscience, no matter what the cost, and uh, the fact that the Bible had predicted and they were experiencing severe, not just criticism, but attacks and even uh, sometimes bodily harm, imprisonment and so on for their faith. So religious liberty was front and center from the beginning. And it was front and center because we were being persecuted from within. Other churches, other religious groups were persecuting the groups, right? Well, that's how it started, yes. And whereas Mormons, and this is another good distinction between Ellen White and Joseph Smith, for example. Joseph Smith was a charismatic prophet who, through his, his revelations, true or not, that's for someone else to decide. But the, the model there that was set up was that he was to establish a modern priesthood, a separate group, and so on. Adventists didn't begin that way. They began as as uh, students of prophecy and reformers within their various congregations. And they never intended to separate. They were ejected. Mm. And even to this late day, as you, as, as the fellow Seventh Adventists know, our view is not that we are the only Christians. Right. Mm. I mean, it, socially, you contend that way. You get you can get insular and forget about the others. But but our message is is broad based, and we believe that all Christians could use this awareness of Christ's soon coming, could be uh, safely pointed back to the Bible and so on. These are not uh, exclusionary views. So Adventists had that, but they were expelled. It was not their choice. But there is a phenomenon that I'm seeing even within our church now, and I know many other churches have it, where you can be harassed by your own Mm. if you have a slight doctrinal difference or even a perception of your personal morality or your even habits. Uh, You can be taken to task, and and the Catholic Church will excommunicate you, but... But even Protestant churches can shun you, (laughs) Mm -hmm. give you a hard time. And I have people writing to me saying this is a religious liberty issue. Mm. Well, depends what you mean by religious liberty. I think in the classic biblical sense, yes. In the U.S. constitutional legal sense, no. Mm. If you belong to a a church which uh, outside of the Middle Ages, uh, now is a, is a free association of people who have common beliefs. And if you don't like it, you can leave. No one's compelling you to do anything. So it's not a civil restriction of your religious liberty. So in that sense, you have no court case. You have no constitutional redress. It's just an unfortunate unpleasantness. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about the principle that the Bible talks about, and it says there to the early Christians, you'll be put out of their synagogues. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is the description of persecution. So on one level, yes, Adventists, by their fellow Christians, had severe religious liberty problems. But on another level, we we do keep very clear the uh, legal distinction between that sort of behavior and what we're arguing with Liberty Magazine, which goes to politicians and non-religious people and many different religions. So we can't posit the whole thing just on a principle from the Bible, even though everything we write is based on biblical principles. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Well, now, if someone walks into the Capitol building uh, in Washington, D.C., are they surrounded by more religious liberty freedoms at that moment than if someone walked into a Seventh-day Adventist or a Methodist or a Presbyterian church? That's a loaded question. I, I know, <laughs> but, but it, it just seems to me that we as loving Christians are more restrictive 
than the government under which we live. And that could be so, because in, in a case of a couple of years ago called Hosanna Tabor, yes, yes. the justices held that in the vein of keeping the church protected from the state, uh, the church acting toward its own employees and within its own system can actually act prejudicially, you know, and race, gender and so mm-hmm. on, those sort of things. It can act in ways that wouldn't be allowed in the larger civil society. doesn't make them morally right, but they're not under the purview of the state. And to go back to my original point, things that happen like the Adventists ejected or troubled by congregations or within Adventist congregations now, dissensions where yes. people are hurt, those are morally wrong, and I believe there is a religious liberty principle at play, but that is not what we talk about in our society, in the Western world, where we're referencing law and a larger principle of the, of the rights of all people to believe whatever, because a church is a free association. You're not compelled or forced mm. to believe and act a certain way if you're free to leave it. So how much freedom does a church have then, Lincoln? Uh, it sounds like you're saying once you enter that church, you are basically under a new set, a new structure of laws that are determined by that church and not necessarily determined, of course, by the government. How do we know if those laws are determined by God when we go into a church and we hear these laws? Well, you're getting into theology. <laughs> that's what... Yeah, but, but yeah, where does religious liberty go? How far into theology does religious liberty, civil religious liberty go? Well, we've had other programs on that. I yes. think it's, it's good to keep the state at a distance. We don't want it telling the church what mm, to do okay. on its own business. Yeah. Or you'll, in essence, have the state telling the church what's theologically correct or not. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of a tension, and, and back in the era of the Roman Catholic Church, it was was a battle to the death between church power and state power because each wanted to get into the other's pocket. I mean, I'm using that advisedly because there was usually money involved, not yes, just yes. pure power, money power. Yes. <laughs> and what muddies it a little, and, and, and I would probably risk getting the ire of some of my fellow religious liberty people, the church still has some financial advantage from the state usually. Mm. The grants and exemptions, for example, the criteria that I keep saying is the more separate church and state can become the better Hmm. the more integrated the church and society can become the better and uh, in those two distinctions lies the answer to the conundrum that troubles many people a lot of people think that that religion is being driven out of the public sphere by the separation of church and state and some of the the recent cases Mm -hmm. they would know that it's not if they see the real dynamic we want religion diffused through society, but we don't want religious power grasping at civil power. Mm-hmm. So when Ellen White looked forward from our early beginnings, how did she prepare our church for this? Well, she prepared the church by warning, warning Adventists that the day would come when even in the United States, where there was a constitutional separation of church and state, mm-hmm. that that would evaporate mm-hmm. and that the old world order would come about mm-hmm. and that religious persecution would restart, that the church would come under severe pressure. And I think the, the genius of Adventism, largely uh, informed by Ellen White, is that we don't presume on that. We want to hold it off as long as we can. Yes. And while we know it's inevitable, We're working, as the Bible says, work while there is day. So it's given us a reason to think positively, even knowing that the end is going to be quite dark. 
And we can fold that over in saying that Liberty Magazine is part of that preparation, part of that awareness. Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, we don't think we're fighting against the inevitable. We're uh, holding the fort for the, uh, the truth while we have it. Mm-hmm. And, and Adventists and Ellen White used the term present truth. Mm-hmm. We believe that religious liberty and separation of church and state is present truth for America and for the world right now. Mm-hmm. And then how do we as church members sitting in the pew prepare ourselves for what's to come? Individually, the preparation is, is a knowledge of the Lord and a spiritual peace and, and assurance. But as far as the particulars, we need to know what separation of church and state is or else we'll be, as in mixing church and state in my analogy, but we'll be like the Germans in World War II who uh, more and more like sheep followed mm-hmm. Hitler because he appealed to some very good sensibilities, but the end result was a, was a horrible uh, abuse. Religious liberty, wrongly defined, can lead in as dangerous directions. Very important topic today. The website is libertymagazine.org for more awareness. It's right there for you to enjoy, as well as the magazine as well. That's all at libertymagazine.org. Until next time, listener, this is Charles Mills, along with Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. Today.